did you ever get a piece of junk mail that really got to you? I mean, you know, junk mail. I mean, junk mail. You don't even read this stuff, right? I mean, you get all these uh, flyers from ShopRite, huh? With the coupons to clip out that you get cut-rate watermelon. You never read this stuff? You get a, a, a flyer from Sears Roebuck saying that they're having a special on uh, porch swings. You know, polyethylene porch swings with little duckies on the side and you ain't got no porch. You know, it's the kind of stuff you get this junk mail. I, always, I keep getting junk mail offering me special bicentennial medallion collections. It says, will be a collector's item in years to come. You will have an heirloom that will pass itself down from the ages. You know, there's little plastic coins with Nixon's picture on it and all that. What is this, you know? So I, 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 and maybe it's my, maybe it's my Midwestern Puritan upbringing. I can't find myself capable of throwing away something that hasn't been opened. I feel like I'm letting somebody down, even though there's some big junk mail manufacturer in the sky. I'm not letting anybody down. <laughs> oh, God. So I, I have to open. He said, I don't read them. I just open them. See, and I, I just open them because I've, I've, I've performed an exorcism or some kind of a rite. You got to open it. So I am opening this stuff. I'm throwing it out. And I just have to tell you this afternoon, I opened one. I'm just about to throw it out. And at the top of this form letter, it was printed in blue ink, sky blue stationery with angels and doves all around the top. And great radiant suns. There was a radiant sun that was shining out of it. In red ink, it says, Dear, honored, and esteemed, long lost to the fold member. And then in it, in big, great, big blue letters, it says, Please come back. We're waiting. I said, What the hell is this? And I start reading it. Oh, my God, yes. They were right. I was a long-lost member. It was a form letter. I don't know whether I should tell you this. Maybe I should, because, you know, just the other day I got a note from a nice lady that said, Dear Mr. Shepherd, your program has so many young people listening to it. Do you realize the opportunities you have for uplift? We're teaching the young people the proper way of thinking, patriotism and love and respect for their parents. Instead, you tell these terrible stories. Why don't you tell a nice, heartwarming religious tale some night? Signed a John Gambling fan, and thank God I am. I, you know, this stuff I, I just toss aside. I am not a religious man. Unless uh, you consider a man who likes to polish his car religious. A man who, well, you know, who, who understands that the lobster, properly cooked, is in a very real sense an affirmation that there must be a higher being. I mean, but you know, this, this is not the kind of thing. You can't, you can't join the, the, uh, the first uh, lobster temple of Bar Harbor, Maine. They don't have anything like that, although I may be one of the first parishioners down there hollering amen every time they pass the lobster, you know, hollering for butter, a little salt here and there. But, you know, this this is not 
classical religion. And I took a look at that letter and I started to read it. And I read it and I read it. It was the usual junk mail pap offering a free subscription to our new wonderful publication. Please send a love offering and all that. You know, you know that kind of thing. We'll be praying for you. The secrets of prayer can be yours in five minutes if you follow the Reverend Dudu's advice. Reverend Dudu's right here waiting for you. There's a big picture of him there, you know. Next to him is a whole crowd of ladies who used the method. Now they're rich and famous and they're winning at bridge. Their sex life is rejuvenated in the whole world. You know, oh my God, I am a member. Oh, excuse me for using that expression. I'm sorry. Yes, I am. I was and am a member, lost and gone. And it was the first time in a long time that a piece of junk mail has screamed up at me and stirred ancient feelings of remorse. Remorse. Embarrassment, really, is what it is. Remorse, by the way, is another name for embarrassment, friends. Just think about that for a minute. Don't 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 be so quick and say, "Ah, oh, come on." No, it is. Remorse is the secret admission that at one point you blew it, and that is embarrassment. And often remorse is because you blew it publicly. That's the embarrassing part. And I stand before you tonight, a confessor. I am a lost and gone member of the shining light reformed spiritual haven of God. Did you ever hear of it? The shining light reformed spiritual haven of God. And you know how I became a member? You want to know? Well, there was this summer. And uh, kids do things in the summer, you know. There is a restlessness of the spirit. There certainly is. And I don't know about the restlessness of the spirit of a female kid since I never went that route. But I can tell you of the restlessness of the spirit and of the glands and of the nervous system of a... Uh, 12 or 13 year old male type a 13 year old male is a walking cake of yeast especially when the sun is beating down on him and the girls are in their summer dresses terrible you search and you hunt for things to do and you get nervous and you get itchy and you get bugged now this is allegorical you understand because Half of you listening feel exactly like that now, and you're 107. So it has nothing to do with adolescence, except that adolescence is also part of life. In fact, I think adolescence is what all of us go through all of our life. See, the, the implication of adolescence, you know, when they use this phrase, the phrase is a transitional period between what and what. The implication being that you arrive at another place. I've known too many people in my lives, and I have lived many. I have known too many wandering jots of humanity to ever believe that anybody arrives at another point. 
scratch a president, you got a 12-year-old kid yelling because he missed a fly ball. Or caught one in the teeth from a kid who had a better left hook. No matter, no where, no how. And so, it was the summer of the shining light, reformed spiritual haven of God. Now, I don't know whether I should tell you this, because this is a somewhat uh, painful tale, as all good tales should be. There has never been a good tale told that did not pain. Oh, yes. Oh, the classical tale of them all. Moby Dick had moments of excruciating pain, especially when Ahab was pinned to that whale with his own harpoon. Rock of ages, ringing in the sheaves, ringing in the sheaves. Oh, you are listening tonight to a condemned, admitted, besmirched sinner. One who has tread upon the high road and has fallen. Bringing in the sheaves. It's too late. It's too late. You notice I'm unrepentant? Of course. I mean, let's put it this way, friends. If you ever run to the window on the 46th floor and you leap out, it does you no good to regret halfway down. You just better start enjoying the flight. Bringing in the sheaves. Bringing in the sheaves. Try a little volplaning. Try a try a slow barrel roll as you tumble. Try even a uh, perhaps an accelerated stall. You know, whoop! Your nose goes up and your tail goes down. And you flutter for a minute and then you float on down like a great leaf. Bringing in the sheaves. So I am here wallowing in my sin. I am enjoying the tumble. It's the only way to go. That summer, see, it was hot, steamy. I had this job. I was selling women's home companions. Now, is there such a magazine? It still exists? Well, I also had Red Book. Yes, that exists. Oh, definitely. Red Book, and I also had Cosmopolitan. Oh, indeed. And I had this white bag that I carried around my neck, you know, had a shoulder strap and on the side, had a great big black and white thing that said, Woman's Home Companion. And I carried these magazines around. And I went from door to door. I had a, a route, as we called it. Uh, probably Dan Rather would prefer a route. And uh, I don't know whether he ever sold magazines ever. I just wonder about Walter Cronkite. Does he know about this? It, uh, it, we did not sell these magazines for cash. We sold them for things called premiums. Recall premiums? Now, what was a premium? Well, if you sold X numbers of magazines, you got points. Like, say, if you sold a Woman's Home Companion, you got five points. If you sold a Red Book, you got three points. If you sold a, uh, say, a Cosmopolitan, you got four points. And uh, every week, you would get all these magazines, would be given to you by this guy who came around with the magazine truck, and uh, he would give you the magazines. And uh, you'd start out on your route. Now, at the end of the week, if you hadn't sold them all, you got no points at all. And you gave him the magazines back, and he got mad. He would say some things like, uh, for example, What the hell's the matter with you? How come Schwartz gets rid of all his magazines? Now, listen, you. If you don't start moving them magazines, 
I'm going to give Flick your route. Well, so, you know, this was an abject failure. You didn't want to go this way. Flick had his route. Schwartz had his. I had mine. And so I'm pursuing my rounds this summer every morning. Of course, I only went out a couple of days a week. I was not one of these beaver kids that started out at crack and dawn. You know, like the kids that go to the Bronx High School of Science, you know, that are the little beavers. I was not. I would only beaver briefly and fitfully. I would get moments of ter terrific beaverism. You know, I'd run out and I'd try to sell a magazine, and then I would hear somebody hitting a fly ball. And uh, shortly thereafter, I would stop being a beaver and become a grasshopper in the scheme of life. And no longer would I be an ant. And, of course, this is, a, incidentally, characteristic of a sinner. Sinners are, are that way. Uh, they, they tend to be butterflies. Uh, every sinner you, you scratch, you scratch a guy who sniffed too close to the blossom. You scratch a good person and you scratch an ant who did not sniff blossoms but carried sand grains on his back to build the nest higher. So, you know, I, I'm not here to make value judgments. I'm here only to describe the tumbling descent, the fall from the 46-story window of one lost and gone member of the shining light, reformed spiritual haven of God. You want to hear the rest of this, please, do you? You want to hear the testimony of a fallen person? It's not a testimony. It's a blurted cry of eager, uh, let's say, eagerly enunciated remorse. <laughs> you like that, huh? <laughs> well, I, I, this was about July. It was hot, you know. And uh, the, the, uh, the magazines were going pretty good. People read magazines in the summer. Did you know that? Oh, yes, there's a lot of magazine reading. They don't read them much in the winter uh, for some strange reason. But they read them in the summer. And so my route is going great, and I'm, you know, I'm knocking off 15, 20 points. I'm going along there great, see? And so about the third or fourth week into July, everything's going good, and the sun is hot, and I'm out there knocking out fly balls and stuff, and everything's going fine, and the guy isn't yelling to me anymore. One day his truck pulled up. Me and Schwartz and Flick arrived, and all the other kids with our bags, and we're going to get our, we're going to get our, our little quota of magazines when he looks at me, he says, hey, I got good, good news for you kids. You remember the other day I told you guys that if you want over 25 points in one week, you got a cash bonus. <laughs> I had heard this, but it had not really soaked in on me, and I did get a cash bonus of $1.25. I had gone over my quota. Fantastic moment here, because you know the premiums they gave were things like a Boy Scout knife. So, you know, and you got a little catalog. You could pick what premium you wanted. When you Like uh, 175 points would be uh, a Boy Scout canteen. Uh, like 255 points, you would uh, get something like a pup tent. You know, they had pup tents. Don't worry about the time. We'll do all right. If you got, by the way, the great grand premium of all, if you got something like 250,000 points, that meant if you raised the circulation of cosmopolitan by 200 percent nationwide you would get a pony now i don't know what the hell i would ever yeah pony they had a pony there was a picture of a pony there with a kid standing next to it and it says uh you know billy watson of uh, potucket rhode island and his pony buddy that he won you know and it says, you too can do this see well anyway i don't want to get into the pony scene i you know that was far beyond me i knew as a working grasshopper that there was no pony in the works for me. And uh, I was, uh, you know, I was working my way towards what I considered would be the, uh, you know, the ultimate thing, a kayak kit. 
Yeah, they had a kit in there. You could build your own kayak. And it took a hell of a lot of magazines, I can tell you, but it came in a kit. So I was working towards that. Schwartz, incidentally, was working towards a gas model airplane. And the Flick had already got what he wanted. He got a complete set of knives and forks with handles shaped like a lady's leg. And that's what he wanted, see? A naked lady's leg. And he was very happy with them. He used them at the Boy Scouts, you know, the Cub Scouts and all that stuff. See? So uh, anyway, things were working along there. And I had a dollar and a quarter. And Schwartz had about a buck, a buck and a half. Flick had a couple of bucks. We're walking along. And uh, the, the big thing, of course, when you got some money when you're a kid, you know, you know the idea would be you're going to go out and get candy. Well, we went into the candy business. We didn't worry about candy. We had all the candy we wanted. No problem. I got candy every time I went to the store. See, I'm not going to buy candy. And uh, so I'm walking along. I figured, well, you know, what am I going to do with the dough? See, I'm thinking, fantastic money. Well, I'll tell you what we did with it. Each one of us that week took ads out of the back of popular mechanics and sent in postcards to what, you know, we bought a dollar's worth of postcards. In those days, they were penny postcards. You got a hundred, right? So we, we, you could send a postcard to every place that says at the bottom of it, mail a postcard with name and address for a free catalog. Or it said, uh, send for special confidential information. You know, you'd read this. It says, uh, earn big money, shopping lawnmowers in your spare time. Send for a free illustrated catalog. You know, and so we sent to this box L, Oswezo Musiasi. You know, sent away like that. So we sent all these letters out because it was exciting not to become, uh, you know, a professional sharpener of lawnmowers, but the excitement was getting mail. That was the point, getting mail. See, and sure enough, about two weeks after we sent out all these letters, you know, all these postcards, the mail started to come in unbelievably. I'm getting mail from the. <laughs> from places like uh, the National Radio Institute. They were always trying to teach me how to learn to rewind armatures. In your spare time, earn big money as electrical repair engineer, that kind of stuff. And I'm getting catalogs from places that sold canning equipment. Uh, oh, it was just great, you know, I'm getting all this mail. It was terrific, you know, to come home from knocking out flies. And my mother would say something like this, will you clear all that stuff off the dining room table? There's seven pounds of mail there for you. And your father's getting very mad. He can't find his bills anymore. It's all lost in your mail. And, you know, I got this big stack of mail. I take it back into the into my room, you know, and I'm sitting there reading about all this stuff. And it's all addressed to me in my name, you know, Gene P. Shepard, you know, and my address and all. Oh, I really loved it. Well, now, I'm going to tell you there is a pitfall here in sending mail like that. And I didn't know it until this moment. About a month goes by, and one, believe it was a Friday night, yes, it was a Friday night, it was near the end of the week, and we were sitting, having supper that night, it had been a successful day, I sold five copies of Cosmopolitan, three red books, two Cosmos maybe, and a couple of Women's Home Companions, it was a kind of a nice day, we played ball all afternoon, it was summer. I had stickers in my feet. Everything was working fine. We're sitting down there. My mother always made lemonade for hot, long summer suppers. Had this, I loved it. You know, great big glass pitcher of lemonade. She had this yellow, sort of a goldish colored, transparent glass. 
you know, that orange-colored like glass pitcher. She put all these ice cubes in there. And this lemonade, I loved it. See, we had lemonade that night. And my favorite supper, incidentally, as a kid, was frankfurters and beans. Kids have an insatiable desire to eat frankfurters and, and gallop down Van Camp beans with large amounts of ketchup on it. Right? Classic kid meal. My other favorite announced that she's having what she called hot dogs for dinner. I love that hot dogs. You know? <laughs> And, uh, you know, the old man would always say things like, oh, come on, hot dogs. And, and I, I never could understand why he didn't want hot dogs. Why he didn't want hot dogs washed down with, uh, with Kool-Aid, uh, you know, followed with uh, two banana Twinkies. To me, that was a fantastic meal. <laughs> and the old man would say, no, no, he says, you got to make coffee. I want some coffee. The old man always wanted coffee with his meal. And, of course, I could never understand that. I mean, the coffee is, is, a, is a mark of maternity. That's why so many people who want to remain kids forever uh, pretend they don't drink coffee. You know, they very ostentatiously sit down and drink their yoo or their milk while all the grown-ups are drinking coffee. You know, a guy may be 40 years old. He says, oh, no, I never drink coffee. <laughs> I don't smoke, and I don't go with girls who do. And, uh, you know, and there he is, buddy. is forever, uh, you know, a 12-year-old kid wearing Buster Brown shoes. And uh, this is, you know, part of the life you live. And so the old man was in his coffee bag. And I am sitting down there, you know, and I'm loving it. See, I'm eating the, the beans and uh, the frankfurters. And the old man, of course, he's, uh, you know, he's sitting over there reading the paper. He always read the paper at supper. He'd fold it up. You know, he had a special way of folding it up. And I've always figured that, that you really are a grown-up if you know how to fold the paper right. You know, and there's a way that grown-ups have. My old man, for example, he could take a paper and he'd go, whack you know, he'd snap it, whack, like that, and then he'd fold it real quick, see? And it's smooth as hell. I can't do this to this day. I go, whack, and the entertainment page flies out, you know, or I go, whack, and down goes the sports page on the floor, see? But he could go, whack, you know, he folds the paper up, and he's reading the sport page. Well, everything is calm. My kid brother's scoffing the beans, and uh, it's soft summer day, and the screen door is open. And outside you could hear Mrs. Bruner, as you always could, on a quiet, soft summer day, crying on the back porch next door. And uh, what she always did, I don't have to get into that. That was a long story. It was Mr. Bruner. He always got drunk. And she would sit, sit out on the back porch and cry. And once in a while, my mother would call out in the back. She'd say, he'll be home. Don't worry. And I, don't, I could never figure out whether Mrs. Bruner was mad because he was coming home or because he wouldn't get home. It was very difficult, you know. So... Uh, I'm sitting there scoffing my beans, little realizing approaching was doom, which led to me reading this piece of junk mail this afternoon that said that I am a fallen member of the shining light, reformed, spiritual haven of God. You didn't hear the first of the story, so you wouldn't understand it. So you just go on, tune down the dial. There's a nice lady down there. There's, she's interviewing somebody who has just written a book. Uh, how to Survive a Bad Case of Corns. You'll love that show. Anyway, I'm sitting there eating the Frankfurters. The old man is reading about the White Sox, which were then in an extended losing streak. They had been losing for two and a half years, and he's reading about that. My mother's sitting over there trying to get my kid brother to eat. It was a nice, calm day. You could hear Mrs. Bruner sobbing. Off in the distance somewhere, a robin was calling to another robin. Without any warning. Incidentally, fate never does warn you, you know. 
There is a faint, discreet, elegant tapping at the front door. Now, nobody came to our front door. Any neighbors, all the neighbors in the area, if they wanted to talk to you, they came around in the back. Everybody's always in the kitchen, so you they come on the back. And there is this kind of knock. You know this kind that, this kind that is uh, quiet yet insistent? At that point, my mother says, somebody's at the door. My father says, yes, somebody's at the door. And she says, uh, what should we do? My father says, well, <laughs> what do you do when someone knocks at the door? She says, uh, I'll answer it. So she gets up, she goes into the living room, and you hear the door open, and you hear this murmured conversation. And you hear the door open, you hear somebody come in. The old man looks around, you know. You, you couldn't quite see the front door from the kitchen. He looks out, he ducks back. At that point, obviously, somebody's in the living room. My mother comes back into the kitchen, and she looks at me, and she says, there's somebody here to see you. I said, to see me, Schwartz? She says, no, it's a man. I said, man, to see me? She says, yes. What did you do? I said, nothing. She said, well, you better go talk to him. Get rid of him. And I go out in the living room, and here is a man in a black suit sitting there. And I walk into the living room, and he looks up at me, and he says, Ah, Brother Shepherd. I said, <laughs> He says, I have your name here that you have joined the spiritual light reformed haven of God. I said, The what? He said, I have your name here that... On the 26th day of the last month, you joined our fold. I had joined the church by mail. It was the spiritual light, reformed haven of God. The shining light in the heavens. And the Reverend Matheson was there to speak to me in person. And to ask for a love offering. My father was hiding under the kitchen table. My mother was crouching by the refrigerator. My kid brother was starting to whine and his nose was running into his beans. I said, uh, Yes, sir. He said, You are Gene Shepherd Jr. I said, Yeah. He said, Brother, we welcome you to our fold. We welcome a young sheep, a young sheep into the flock. And the shining light reformed spiritual haven of God envelops you in the warm arms of love. And we expect you at 9 a.m. Sunday morning to attend our first services to be held in our new church. I had joined. He had my name. And I told him how I... I <laughs> All right. He said, I will see you Sunday, 1422 Arizona Avenue. Oh, brother, I cannot tell you how pleased we are. And if I could make an appointment to speak to your father sometime next week, maybe the whole family will join our flock of redeemers of truth.
Ever since that time, I've been getting letters. I never went, but my dad never forgot it. W.O.R. New York.